0: Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain and healing. I'm your host, Sarah Dakili, psychotherapist and mental health social worker. And in this episode, I will speak about grief and loss, as I find it to be highly relevant to what we have been experiencing as a collective and on an individual level. Hi everybody, thanks for tuning in, it's good to be back. Initially, I was thinking of actually making this episode about neuroplasticity health and healing, which is an episode that I will definitely record. However, for some reason, talking about grief and loss feels highly relevant, both for me personally, based on what I've been experiencing lately, and also just for all of us as a collective, and what we've been going through in the last couple of years. Since the pandemic, many of us have been forced to change the way we go about our daily lives. And with those changes, some of us are experiencing, if not the majority of us, a wave of losses, all kinds of losses, economic, social, physical, emotional. and What I've come to recognize is that, you know, we're not necessarily talking about the effects of this loss, right? There's all kinds of types of loss that people are experiencing related to the pandemic, and we're not allowing ourselves time to grieve, or we're not being acknowledged for the grief that we may be experiencing internally. Many people have lost family members, co-workers, friends, you know, either due to health complication caused by COVID or for other reasons because of the restrictions that are related to the pandemic. Um, For example, people haven't been able to be with their loved ones, myself included, see their loved ones, or there's even been people who have had loved ones and members of their family dying alone. You know, all of these things can lead to intense feelings of guilt, anger, regret, and also a lot of strains and pressure on relationships in general. There's been people of recent time in particular losing their jobs because they didn't want to get vaccinated or because they have different beliefs around what they want to put in their bodies or how they wish to go about what's happening right now and feeling that they have lost that sense of autonomy and freedom. Um, There's been people who have lost their businesses. There's been a loss of social connections, you know, everything from the constant physical distancing, the isolation, the quarantine, the fact that you can't exactly go out and do things like you used to. The testing and the queuing up for the testing and the repetition of testing and the waiting for the result of testing, I mean these are all incredibly aggravating to our nervous system. Things have been delayed, things have been cancelled, there's been a lot of limitation on the ability to spend time with family and friends, unexpected relationship challenges for a lot of people. Some people are finding it really hard to date and connect and form new relationships or build friendships. There's been academic loss, you know, students who've lost the importance of, you know, gathering in a classroom setting, being able to do things um, as a group. And there's been interruptions in courses and canceled graduations and proms and celebrations or even... You know certain opportunities, such as um, internships or summer employment, or whatever it could be. There's been a loss experienced by healthcare providers. People who work in healthcare have seen patients die, colleagues get impacted, you know, by COVID or lose their jobs. Repeated losses of this kind are incredibly overwhelming. And there's also been rapid changes. You know, a lot of the healthcare providers have had to adapt very quickly to new protocols and roles. Many have experienced a sense of dislocation. And... There's also been a loss of rituals and routines I know for myself there's certain things that I love to do that I just can't seem to do anymore. things that we used to do weekly or on a regular basis from spending time with family or going to your favorite classes or hobbies or whatever it could be that are just no longer available to us and there's also loss of mental health support, you know um a lot of people are experiencing anxiety right now. Um, some people basically don't have the same access to professional support as they did before. And the main way that they can access someone is through a virtual platform, which not everyone can feel comfortable with. You know, there are people who have special needs, who need, who need that physical contact. And, and so there there's so many different types of loss that we have been going through as a collective and on an individual level. Not to mention um, just what's happening to our country, what's happening right now, not just to Australia, but in so many different countries, you know, the governmental forces that are impacting how people go about their lives, you know, the right to their bodies, the right to their livelihoods, the right to freedom and choices. So yes, I find this topic to be incredibly relevant, and I think we don't talk about it as often as we need to. I know for myself personally, as I shared recently, separating from my partner has brought about an incredible relationship with grief. I mean, I am really feeling it. I have been feeling sadness, feeling anxiety, feeling fear on a daily basis. And thanks to a practice in mindfulness, thanks to being aware of myself, being aware of my body, thanks to having this insight into my emotions and the fact that it's okay for us to feel everything we're feeling, I... I'm in a position to get through it um, much better than I would have been years ago, that's for sure. And it's also helping me to get a lot closer to myself. And I'm referring to that essence, you know, to that authentic self within me. I truly believe that grief doesn't necessarily change you, but it actually reveals you. It shows you what's been there always, what's dormant inside of you. I tried to rationalize my way out of grief and loss, and I failed. (laughs) It was such a wonderful realization because I realized that all emotions, all emotions are beautiful, all emotions are a gift. Behind each emotion that we experience, there is love. There is the emotion of love asking to be seen, asking to be revealed. This is what I'm learning. This is what I'm realizing. The thing that helps me through is putting my hand on my heart and really tapping in, tuning in to that compassion, tuning in to that love. What do you have to say, sadness? What do you have to say, grief, anger, fear? I ask myself. And... What I hear back always sounds something like this. I need to be held. I feel scared. I feel alone. I'm scared of what's ahead. I keep holding my hand on my heart and I just respond to that voice by saying, well, you're allowed and it's okay, I'm here. And then that part of me again says, well, you're not enough. I want someone else to be here. I want someone else to hold me. And I respond back to that part of me that's wounded, Say, I have to be enough because I'm all you got right now. And I am enough. So this kind of internal dialogue with ourselves, I really believe that to be a gateway through grief because we have to feel it to heal it. We have to go through the emotion. We have to allow it fully take over. You know, when it comes to life, we can't avoid, we can't skip, we can't suppress. I mean, we can, but not for too long anyway. There are consequences to living life that way. Health consequences, physical consequences, emotional consequences, mental consequences. In linking our feelings to loss and grief, I think it's helpful to have an understanding of the various types of grief, which I also want to talk to you guys about. So ambiguous grief is, you know, a loss that occurs when there is no closure, when there is no clear understanding, and often results in unresolved feelings. The rapidness of our lives changing through the pandemic and the uncertainty of, well, when are things going to go back to normal has caused a lot of people to be left with this real sense of unease. Anxiety has skyrocketed. The number of people who are on medication for mental health related issues has risen immensely. And often the losses that we are experiencing are not typically acknowledged as losses by our friends, families, you know, such as even losing our confidence in the future, losing our security, losing our sense of certainty or our feelings of control over our lives, all of these are losses that we're probably grieving or that we may not even be allowing ourselves to grieve, but that are really important to acknowledge. And I, you know, I've been saying this a couple of times to my clients this month and even to myself, that this is a time of recovery. This is not a time of skipping and pushing ahead and trying to fix and trying to solve we need to first recover we need to first acknowledge you know our losses we need to acknowledge how we're feeling the second type of grief is what we call hidden grief and that's often associated with with, um you know Loss of mobility, for example, or loss of how your body used to be, how your body used to feel, the things that you used to do. Even a sense of loss around who we are, you know, because when you go through particularly the process of therapy or recovery in general and as you're shedding certain layers that are no longer serving you, There is a period of vulnerability, a period of feeling lost. Well, if I'm not that person anymore, or if that behavior, those beliefs, those thoughts are no longer serving me, then who am I? And that can also bring about a period of grief. Losses, both big and small, can build up and lead to overwhelming feelings of powerlessness, anxiety, and depression. And there's also anticipatory grief, which refers to our feelings of grief even before loss occurs. So, for example, we might be really worried about um, an unwell or ill family member and already feel like we're grieving them. Or we might be anticipating um, loss of an income or financial insecurity. And even though our worst fears may not necessarily come to pass, Anticipating them can lead to legitimate feelings of grief. You know, with COVID, as I mentioned, there's been everything from fear around food security, food shortage, not being able to see your friends and family, celebrating traditions and ceremonies, you know, graduation, funerals, weddings, whatever it could be. Feeling safe, feeling stable feeling that sense of personal freedom, being able to plan for the future. And not to mention, obviously, people have lost lives as well, and lost jobs and all kinds of stuff. So it's not a surprise that we may be going through a multitude of feelings. So the different ways that we can cope, I mentioned that I personally love mindfulness and compassion practices because I find them to be incredibly loving and it also helps me to build a much healthier relationship with my emotions and with myself and to be present with what is as opposed to trying to get rid of it because it's uncomfortable because you have to remember we don't build resilience whether it's emotional mental physical including you know with our nervous system We don't build resilience unless we actually sit with discomfort. How to practice being with discomfort. Other things that we can do to help us through this time, help us through grief and loss, is to name it. In naming our feelings as grief, we can begin to understand the underlying emotions it brings, and then we can address them. So emotions are not right and wrong, will experience feelings such as denial, anger, frustration, sadness, anxiety, and that we need to feel the depth of our pain to be able to work through our grief. I've been feeling anxious every day because that's what's coming up for me right now. One of my core wounds since childhood has been fear of abandonment. And of course that's being triggered now, even though I wasn't abandoned. That's what I'm really being faced with and for me to constantly, every day, sit with myself and remind that little girl inside of me that I'm here with you. I'm not abandoning you and I have to be enough for you because I'm all you got is something that is supporting me in, you know, building that relationship with the part of me that is in need of nurture right now. And so we need to feel the depth of our pain. Responses to loss and how people experience and express grief vary greatly from person to person. Grief is a process. It's not an event. It's not a race. We need support through grief. So name it and then validate it. We need to recognize our, all feelings that we're going through and acknowledge them as important without judgment. Suppressing our feelings or feeling guilty for having them doesn't allow us to take steps to resolve them. I also want to highlight that there are many types of grief. I've only mentioned a couple in this episode, but um, everyone has an idea of what they expect grief to look like or feel like, but there really are quite a lot of different types of grief. Everything from complicated grief, delayed grief, you know, chronic grief. Um, distorted grief, exaggerated grief, abbreviated grief. So um, if this is something that you are interested in learning more about, please feel free to look into it. I love this quote by Eckhart Tolle, who is one of my favorite teachers in life. And he says, life is not here to make you happy. Life is here to make you conscious, to help you wake up to the truth of who you are, to help you wake up to the truth of existence. That really resonates with me because it doesn't matter how much experience you have, how many tools you have up your sleeve, we can't avoid pain. We can't avoid discomfort and we can't avoid change. It's who we become as we meet those challenges, what we learn along the way and how we manage, how we meet those challenges that will define how we experience our lives. Life will always bring us all kinds of different experiences to support our growth. When we accept that, when we accept that everything that's coming to me is helping me reach a new level of awakening from within, then we can start to see and recognize the gifts in what we're going through. I know for me personally, the amount of time I've been spending alone of late, and the last thing a person who already feels alone wants to do is to spend more time alone, (laughs) but it's been a wonderful gift for me. It's been amazing because I've been able to dive into parts of myself that I've been avoiding for a little while, you know? I, I haven't fully wanted to go there, one of those things being vulnerability, vulnerability always made me feel weak. It wasn't something that I've been fully comfortable with, even though I'm quite open about my life and my challenges and I share them as and when appropriate to support others. I haven't necessarily fully been comfortable with acknowledging my vulnerability. I was raised with the notion that it's a weakness, that it's a sign of weakness. And there's no truth in that. I'm discovering that it's actually my strength. to fully own and be where you are at each given moment. And no one can use that against you when you own who you are and where you're at. No one. And there's so much power in that. So we also want to celebrate the good. While this pandemic and everything that's, that I've mentioned before, that it has caused, has brought great uncertainty and loss. We can also find meaning in the good that it may have brought our lives. Time for reflection, realizing what is really important to us, what our priorities are, and tuning in more, shedding light on our shadow, and also recognizing that placing our faith and our the responsibility of our well-being in the hands of our doctor or of our government, that's not how we're meant to live our lives. No one can actually be responsible for you but yourself. You know, there's so much blame going around. And I always say it's not fair to do that because it's actually your responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities on an individual level to take care of our own needs, to recognize our own needs. Routine is another thing that's important. At a time when life feels particularly chaotic, setting a routine is important and ensures that we have a mixture of social, physical, and educational activities in our day. You know, it doesn't have to be something rigid, but it can offer us a sense of control. So things like exercise, meditation, journaling, you know, putting on some music and dancing, I find that another discovery I've had of late is that joy can exist, coexist with sadness and grief. I have had moments of immense joy, dancing around the house, watching some comedies, laughing, you know. Routine is important. Self-care is important. Even though there are... um, constraints around time and responsibilities. It's so important to make time for self-care, to learn and practice every day to be kind to ourselves. I also find that it's helpful to avoid comparing. It's easy to compare ourselves to other people who are maybe coping differently or perhaps they're not even coping at all. They're just suppressing and avoiding and denying. But instead of comparing, focus on your own strengths. Focus on your own needs, list your strengths, list your needs, issues you have to overcome, you know, and celebrate your own ability to cope. And the last thing, of course, is to seek professional support. This is literally the best time to have a therapist, to have someone that can hold space for you, someone that can support you and guide you and be there for you. I believe we all need that. You know, I have someone that I see um, and who supports me through my challenges. And I think sometimes that's all it takes. That's all we need to get through the day, to get through the month, to get through the year. And so definitely valuing those needs. The last thing I want to say about this topic is that it's so important that we become aware of our thoughts because some of our thoughts can derail our healing process. If certain thoughts, you know, take too much space in our mind, um, they can really prevent us from healing. And that includes self-blame, guilt, shame, constantly living in regret. Um, It's so important to practice presence right now, to practice acceptance, to not let yourself get consumed by the past or the future or to lose faith in yourself and others. We are now at a time where we're being encouraged to build a strong center from within, where we can have more faith in ourselves, in our strength, in our resilience, in our ability to be with life, no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way. In the words of the beautiful Sarah Blondin, remember you are meant to inhibit all of your feelings all of your knowing and all of your wisdom. Allow all of you its breath. I want you all to just take a moment right now and place your hand on your heart and just see if you can repeat the words, I see you, I hear you, I love you. With these words, we shift into the territory of the heart and shine the light of presence on what has most often been starved and neglected, which is our love for who we really are. Love and compassion for yourself is what is most needed now and always. I want to leave you guys with a beautiful quote by Fyodor Dostoevsky. The darker the night, the brighter the stars, the deeper the grief, the closer is God and you can decide what God actually means for you the definition of that term but for me personally it has everything to do with my relationship with myself and life so thanks everybody for tuning in that's it for today I wish you all a wonderful week ahead If you are interested in working with me, please visit mentalawakening.com.au. If you have loved this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This will help more people to access the information being shared here. I will speak to you all in two weeks time with a brand new topic. Until then, take care everybody. Bye for now.